Hello, my name is Lera, and I'm the founder of Dietitian Your Way, a dietitian network, empowering dietitians and nourishing communities. And today we have Jasmine and Ashley from Eat Well Exchange. I am super excited to have them on today because I think everything that they're doing for the community is amazing. Um, and I just feel that all dietitians should be participating in some shape, way, or form in a little bit of what they do because I think it's so important for our communities to get that access to nutrition. Um, it's the whole reason why Dietitian Way exists, right? Um, and I think it's so, so, so important. So I'm rooting for you guys. I've been a fan of you guys for a while now. Super, super excited to have you on. And thank you for hopping on. So um, just to begin with, can you tell me a little bit about um, your backgrounds as a dietitian? Okay, so I can start it off. So first, thank you for having us here and thank you for your platform. It's so important that we're expanding um, the vision of what it is to be a dietitian because it allows more people to enter our profession and also empowers those that are currently in it. So Eat Well Exchange, so we started because Jasmine and I, we were co-workers together working for the Department of Health and we really saw um, in real life, how dietitians of uh, black dietitians are a very small percentage. Mm -hmm. So we noticed that the population we were serving was not being understood. And also they were being stereotyped. Mm -hmm. And the dietitians that we worked with all had the best intention. That's what we always like to point out. They were not being mean and they were not being hurtful, but they just weren't properly educated on how to better serve this population of primarily black and Hispanic um, community members. So we looked at each other and we were like, we need to make something, we need, to, we need yeah. to change this. So we founded Eat Well Exchange and our primary focus is to meet communities where they are, teach them how they can use their cultural foods and still be healthy. And of course it has evolved over the years, but that's yeah. the basis of how we started Eat Well Exchange. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I think, Ashley, you're based out of Miami, right? And then Jasmine is based out of North Carolina. So how do, how do both of those mesh? Like, how do you guys, you know, divide up the time? What do you guys do? Yeah, so we're each responsible in some type of way of initiating certain programs because we know that we can't be, you know, in each other's state all the time. Yeah. But that's like the joy in it, too, because we like to bring our own creativity. And because the regions can be different depending on what type of community you have, I feel like we kind of learn from each other and we kind of bounce off of ideas. So it actually really is a great like dynamic to be able yeah. to cover so much like area of the US, you know? Um, and I would say like, for me, our backgrounds really reflect, you know, what we give to Eat Well. So for example, like I'm originally from Tennessee, a lot of people in North Carolina remind me of my family and friends in Tennessee. And the same for Ashley. Ashley grew up in Miami, born and raised. Yeah. Um, and the community that she impacts is also the community that she grew up with, you know, during when she was a little girl. And yeah. so I think it helps really with our story, too, to be able to, like, understand the dynamics of the people that we are serving because we were once those people at one point in time. So it works. And me and Ashley are very good with communicating with each other, too. I mean, business is business. And we know that there are so many different dynamics of the nonprofit organization. So I think that's a plus for us as well. Yeah. And you guys cover a, an array of services. Like, I feel like every single time I'm looking at your story, there's like something completely brand new that I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like you guys go out to schools, like tell us a little bit about what you guys do. 
So to make it um, easier, we categorize our programs into three areas. The first is food access. So that would be the free farmer's markets we do, which allow community members to shop at a farmer's market, but for free. (laughs) So that's one of our programs. We also have gardening parties, which we were doing virtually before, and we just did our first one in person. We do work with community fridges and pantries. And with food access, it's important to note that we don't just give out food or work with someone who does. We always provide education because we know that just giving someone more fruits and vegetables is not going to help them eat it if they don't know what to do with them and if they don't understand the benefits. Mm -hmm. And then our next pillar is nutrition education. Of course, as dietitians, that's the focus (laughs) of everything we do. So that includes us doing interactive presentations. That includes speaking events. So we do a lot of traveling and speak at a lot of conferences and WIC associations to teach them how to better um, work with their populations. And then the last area is culinary. So that will be our kids culinary program, um, our prevent diabetes program, cooking demos at farmers markets and festivals. And also we just started a bilingual family cooking program. Yes, so that one takes place. Yes, and hi, Aaliyah, by our amazing instructor, Diana Mesa. Oh, Diana, yes, yes, good for her, yes. She's our amazing instructor. The class loves her. (laughs) And we're trying to start that program as well in Haitian Creole in Little Haiti. Awesome. Yeah, I was just going to ask you what bilingual, because I know Creole and Spanish are the two most, like, popular languages down in South Florida. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, you guys are doing fantastic work. Tell us a little bit about, like, for the dietitian community, right? Um, what would be some really good, I guess, advice from you guys for people who aren't, um, who would like to be a little bit more culturally acclimated and who would like to, you know, give that nice culturally education um, to their patients? Like what are some things that they could do? Yeah, that's a loaded question. I'll definitely answer that. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's actually one of our, um, pillars, you know, the education part, it's not only for people in the community, but it's also for chefs or for other dietitians that want to learn how to provide some type of culture-focused nutrition because of the population that they see. So we do and are invited a lot of times to speak, you know, to WIC uh, departments, because that's where we first started our foundation, to academy uh, regional organizations, to other dietitian related nutrition professional groups. Um, But the one advice I would give, because I know dietitians as a whole, how we are, we're very type A. We are. (laughs) And we are very like book textbook driven. Um, I would recommend, yes, buy a textbook, right? That talks about cultural relevant foods, but go past that and experience it Mm. for yourself. Um, And what I mean by that is it may mean going to the local grocery store that your participants or patients or your community go to that you serve at your job. It may look like going to the the next best authentic, you know, cultural, whatever that may be, restaurant and trying different foods and asking questions about the menu. Like those are the ways to really engage and really get like, I guess, immersed in the culture in ways that a textbook experience cannot give you so that would be like the number one recommendation but it also makes it fun yeah 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 you can kind of relate to as well um and number two for me would just be don't assume that because someone looks like 
you know, a certain population or group that they practice those cultural practices too. Because going back to like what Ashley mentioned, like sometimes stereotypical behaviors would go on and it wasn't intentional. It was just like an automatic, almost like bias type of thing that we do. So that's yeah. one um, type of thought I would give dietitians is to not assume, but be in conversation and ready to be an active learner because we can only be experts in our own culture, yeah. <laughs> um, but we can learn and be guests in other people's cultures, if that makes sense. So that's what I would say. And I think that's great advice because I think, you know, I'm obviously Latina, but like, I think even in our Latin culture, it's like, you know, the way Cubans speak and the way they, they talk is completely different than my culture from Nicaragua. You know, there's, there's a complete, you know, like different, you know, cuisine and, and the way we talk too. So I think it's, um, it's so important because even with a dietitian that I was interviewing before, uh, she's a Native American, but she is in a specific tribe. And that tribe, you know, compared to so many different tribes, are you going to eat completely differently and speak a completely different language? So um, I think that's great advice is just to kind of try to immerse yourself and kind of come in with like an open mind, open book, and just kind of absorb everything that the patient um, or client, client is telling you. That's really, really good advice. But yeah, it's definitely something that I think we're going to, you know, continuously, especially because we're such a melting pot here in the United States that we're going to continue to to diversify and continue to see the need for populations, um, diverse populations. Um, and I think it's so great that you guys are, um, you know, you guys are paving the way for us, you know, because I think you guys offer very unique services that, as dietitians, I think we typically see that maybe in outpatient centers in the hospitals, but then again, it's not, it's not as fun. <laughs> you guys make it look fun um, and entertaining for us dietitians and for the community as well. Right. So I applaud you. Um, let's, let's go back a couple steps. So why did you become a dietitian? Ashley, I think you're, you're muted. <laughs> I am. Sorry. <laughs> so for me, it's really rooted in family medical history. So unfortunately, when I was very young, I was 14, my mom passed from diabetes. And we know that as dietitians, diabetes, number one, is treatable. And most importantly, it's preventable. Yeah. But because I grew up in Liberty City, we did not have access to a lot of healthy foods. And outside of that, whenever my mom was educated on food, it was typically the South Beach diet or the Atkins diet and all of these diets that did not relate to our culture. With us being born and raised in Miami, family yeah. from Trinidad and Bahamas, like yeah. everything that was suggested was not familiar. So my mom would do one of these diets for a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two, and then we'll have a family gathering and she wants to eat black eyed peas and collard greens and everything mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know the knowledge that, that I have now. I didn't have that back then. But once I went to college and started learning about nutrition, I was like, this is cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody eats. So this is a subject that relates to everyone. And then as I got deeper into nutrition, I was like, wow, like this could have saved my mom's life if I would have known then what I know now. So of wow. course it has become full, full out passion to just yeah. teach communities, educate them and show them like, hey, you can still eat that black eyed peas and collard greens that you like, but let's just learn how to portion things a little bit differently. Or maybe we don't have to cook our vegetables so long. Pretty much just being able to provide people practical solutions where they can still love their foods, yeah. their traditions and also be healthy as well. Yeah, you know, I was talking to a patient recently and 
um, you know, it's not surprising anymore. It's just, it's unfortunate that it's not surprising anymore, but um, she was just really, really having a hard time with, um, with, in, with, with feeling guilty over what she's eating. And I'm like, well, what are you eating? Like, what was making you feel this guilty, you know? And it was corn. And I was like, no, <laughs> we're gonna stop this right now because yeah. this is heartbreaking. Like, um, you know, to feel so bad for a food choice that is so, it's a, it's a huge staple in a lot of Latin American countries. Um, and especially in, in Mexico, right? It's a it's a staple. This is what we what we eat. This is our part of our culture, and it's just one of those things where it's like, as dietitians, it's it's a uphill battle a lot of the times, right? Because we get it from different you know people who are coming at us and telling us, oh, you know, the doctor told me this, and I'm just like, gosh, right. like let's not go that route. Let's you know try to embrace your culture because it's it's the foods that we were raised on. Um, they're not going to be the norm right here in the United okay. States, but it doesn't take away from the importance and the nourishment that we get from these foods. So. And actually, sorry, you saying that reminds me, me and Jasmine, we just met someone and she literally told us that she was grieving. And it's because her doctor told her that she can't have yucca anymore. And she's from Cuba and her mom makes her yucca every Sunday. So she's like, I'm grieving my foods oh, because she's like, I have two options. You know, her doctor said you're pre-diabetic or I think she was recently diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah. So she was like, either I neglect my health or I neglect my mom. Oh, and wow. she felt like she had to choose. And it was just like, and you it's know, this isn't, it is. And the hard part to me is she didn't share this with the medical professional because when they tell you something, you do it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's yeah, that yeah. mindset. So it's she told us, and we're like, "Oh no." <laughs> yeah, and especially in like, I feel like in my culture, it's very much like what the doctor says is what it what is going to happen. Like, there's no even questioning it. Um, exactly. I always try to preach like, "Hey, like you know, you're responsible as a patient to ask questions. Like, take mm -hmm. ownership of your health. Like, you can." Um, but it's that empowerment piece that times sometimes um, they just feel like no, like this is what I have to do. Right. Right. So, yeah. It's, it's hard. It's hard to hear these stories because it's, it's mm -hmm. such a, a bash on our, our, our culture. Um, and to, for someone to feel that way, just because they're eating, you know, something that's so nutritious is so crazy. <laughs> so crazy. Yes. So Jasmine, tell me a little bit about why you became a dietitian. Very similar story. I mean, my mom, well, first let's start with what I went to school for. Yeah. It was for veterinarian medicine, which is completely different <laughs> than how it turned out. But I laugh at that because I, I I feel like in my spirit, like the purpose of me going through those hurdles in college of like not being interested in veterinary medicine to the point of like somebody randomly asking me in the grocery store, like, is this healthy? And me not even changing my nutrition degree like changing my major to a nutrition major at the time i had i felt like i had like little signs like that along the way but the biggest one was when my mom got sick she had some gi issues that she was having um doctors and they could not figure out why until one doctor actually recommended that she see a dietitian and I looked it up and I was like, what is a dietitian or a nutritionist? Like, what do they do? And <laughs> looking it up and then actually changing my um, major to nutrition, maybe like a couple months later to dietetics. But then as I started to actually live, you know, throughout just 
life period, I noticed that, hey, my grandfather died of this. My grandmother died of this. All this could have been prevented as I learned in school, you know, the things that we were supposed to learn, the curriculum of like, you know, clinical nutrition and and, and what. So for me, it was definitely family history of like, oh my gosh, this could have been prevented. They could have been here longer. Um, but then leading up to Eat Well with all of our programs, it's funny, I share with Ashley how my grandmother used to have me in the garden with her back in Memphis. And I would hate it as a child, but now it's crazy because <laughs> I'm like gardening and it's part of our program. So it's like little things like that, that remind me every day of why I'm a dietitian and that there's purpose in it um, from me being in this profession and serving so many. So yeah, again, very similar to Ashley's story, family history, um, our own experiences too, um, yeah. with nutrition and our own relationships with food have definitely been the catalyst to it all. So tell me a little bit more about that, um, the relationship with your with food. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, so I'm a 5'10 girl. And back in the day before like Instagram, I actually used to be a model, right? Like, Nice. Right. But during that time, it was a very stressful time for any 15, 16 and 17 year old girl to worry about how can I be as skinny as possible and go to these agencies and being told that you're too big, but you're actually very, very skinny. Um, yeah, so trying to hard. fit into a mold, that's going to affect your eating habits. Yeah. And so as time went on, of course, like many people, I've been on previous diets or past diets before mm -hmm. where I'm literally trying to fit into some type of sample size because mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was this model, right? This is the standard. And so, you know, it wasn't until maybe about 10 years ago where it's like, you know what? My relationship with food is all screwed up um, and I needed to change it. But then even further down the line, thinking about how my cultural foods were being, in a sense, just driven into the ground as not being healthy. It's looked right. at almost like shame and guilt yeah, behind mm -hmm. eating certain things like you yeah. all were mentioning. But even to myself having to repeat it before I started Evil Exchange, like, wait a minute, like these sweet potatoes yeah. are bomb. Like they're healthy. They're good. There are so many yeah. different ways that you can make them. Um, so I think as a dietitian, I think Ashley can testify to this too. Most of us go through our own experiences around food that actually mold us into the purpose of who yeah. we're impacting. And so that's what makes our story just so true and just so authentic. It's like we live this yeah. <laughs> and we yeah. have lived it. So that's what I mean by that. Like there's so many different levels to the relationships that we've had with food even to this day. Yeah, that's so powerful too when you've had that lived experience because you can be like, hey, I've been there. Like I've I've been exactly where you are. Um, and then, of course, we have our credentials as well to help back up the information that we're we're saying as well, so that we can become the trustworthy dietitian to to patients. Right. You guys are amazing, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, yeah <laughs> no, you guys really are, and I'm so happy that you guys were are on here to kind of tell people like, hey, this is these are the things that we can you know do for our communities. I think community is so 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 important. I did actually didn't realize it was that important until um, I came up with Latina Nutritionista, the platform for uh, Latinx and intuitive eating. Yeah. And then as I started to meet people through um, Instagram and dietitians, I'm like, gosh, this is so powerful. Like it is so powerful to have a virtual community, but also even an in-person community. Um, do you, what are your thoughts about community? And I mean, I'm sure you guys have a lot of thoughts on that. <laughs> 
Yeah, community is everything. And also just to touch on that, whenever we reach out to a community, well, first we let communities reach out to us. Yeah. What I mean by that is if there was a dietitian in New York that felt like, oh, there's a population that needs your help in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. we would reach out to the community first to a stakeholder in the community and say, hey, is this something you want? And yeah. then we design the program with the community in mind because we know that it's not up to us to determine you know, what that community needs, or it's not up to us to come in and save the day mm-hmm. because communities are very important for just kind of maintaining the culture, maintaining their traditions. So if we step in, it kind of ruins the integrity of that community. So we know that communities provide people with so much, babysitters, doctors, lawyers, whatever <laughs> that's there. It gives people resources. So we never like to um, come into a community that has not requested for us to be there because we never want to be that outside force that comes in. Yeah, And I know for both of us, we experienced that. For me being in Liberty City, there would always be like a new project that a political figure or somebody would want to do. Mm-hmm. And um, a new political figure will come in and want to do something or change something. And they will hop into our community. They'll start building houses. They'll start giving out food, oh, kissing babies. Yeah. And then we blink our eye, they're gone. And we're left with the exact same situation or worse. So for us, I would never forget that. And it's always to me a main factor to not just come into somewhere unless we're invited because the community is everything. Yeah. That had such a a different outlook on it that honestly, I didn't even think about, but that's a hundred percent like something to think about that. Yeah. You gotta be, you have to acknowledge the community that you're coming into Mm -hmm. and and make sure that they want you to be here, right? It's so, so yeah. important. Yeah. Right. And have a plan to sustain after. Yeah. So if we're yeah. doing a free farmer's market, what's the plan to help these people get more produce? Are we connecting them with a farmer? Are we planting trees? Like, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> so that way we don't just leave and they're stuck, you know, like yeah. we all feel good for ourselves, but they're still in the same situation. So how do you guys like coordinate that? Like, what are some things that you guys do? Because that's, that's pretty important and I can't even wrap my head around how to even start there. Like, how do you guys do that? That's amazing. Definitely partner. I feel like that's been like the biggest that has helped us. You know, we can't, like Ashley said, we can't just walk in the community and say, Hey, I'm here to save the day and tell you what to eat. It's more of like a partnership. And I learned that even like from moving to North Carolina, I think the most for me, because I've only been here for about two years and so mm-hmm. nobody knows about Eat Well in North Carolina. So I have to start over and be like, okay, let me plan out exactly what Ashley said. Have a plan. Plan mm-hmm. out who are the people that I wanted to connect with. Who are the people I wanted to learn from, to learn about mm-hmm. their community. And also go to like community meetings to see what the people are talking about. Yeah. What's a priority area? Um, and maybe how you can fit into that. But also like volunteering and doing different things of being involved because it shows that you actually want to help the people in the community. And it shows that you are part of the community and you can develop programs that are community driven, meaning the community gets to tell you what they want to eat. And the community gets to tell you what day of the week they want to have the program. And at some point the community will be teaching their family and friends exactly what you taught them. Right. And that's the whole like goal is to, to get the community so ramped up about it and excited about it that they want to learn and then they can teach the next generation. So 
um, it is a process. It's not like an overnight thing. No, definitely <laughs> no, not. So, yeah, it's a relationship that you have to commit to developing and commit to sustaining. Um, like when Ashley mentioned about planting trees, like Eatwell doesn't have any just random trees around. How do we get the trees? We get it from partnerships of people who have the trees and believe in our mission. Um, how do we get the spaces that we're able to have the free farmers market or the prevent diabetes program? Amazing. We, we connect with the facility people who believe wow. in the program. Um, so it's, it's just little things like that. And I'm hoping that we can share that more and more through our Instagram. By the way, if you're not following us, Evil Exchange um, on Instagram, little plug. Um, but I, I, we're, I think we're being more transparent, too, on our social media platforms because we see that people do want to do the same work, but they don't know how to approach it. So we'll be yeah. throwing nuggets of how to do that. Yeah, y'all should put like a little course together to like tell, hey, dietitians, like this is how you can get involved in your community. Like, I mean, I think that would be a great um, course. I would buy it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and also, I think what you so what you're explaining is similar. And for a lot of dietitians who've experienced or who've you know been able to talk to patients, I think we all understand that when you're talking to a patient, you're not just talking to them and saying, hey, this is what you need to do. I mean, if you are, I hope you're not, but 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 we're we're coming into their space. So it's kind of like we have to have this neutral space, this space where it's like you're forming this relationship with this patient and not you're not telling them what it is that they need to do, but instead they are telling you, these are the things that I want to focus on today. Right. And it's the same thing with community where it's like we're gonna enter their community, we're gonna kind of learn about it before we even jump in and say, this is what you need, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you're gonna come to me and tell me what it is that you need and how we can support you. Um, so that's amazing. Very, very cool. We are very generous and, and very blessed and so grateful that we were able to get a donation from um, a colleague of ours through um, a campaign called The Art of Cultural Foods, where we're celebrating the difference in cultural foods, but also elevating the benefits and how it really draws a narrative of our identity and our family experiences. Ooh. And so we're able to get this $30,000 donation for our programs. And so we are going to be launching a campaign at the end of September uh -huh. um, to, you know, hopefully get that matched for our program. So you know, to get more information about that, I definitely recommend people subscribe to our email um, newsletter or subscribe to it um, on eatwellexchange.org, but also follow us on eatwellexchange, one word, on all social media platforms so you can find out how you can contribute, you know, um, with this matching campaign that we're going to have for our programs. Yeah, this sounds amazing. So is this a virtual, um, it's, wait, is it a webinar? It's a course? So it's just a virtual campaign where we'll be promoting about our programs through oh, the nice. art of cultural of the art of yeah. cultural foods. Yes, I love it. So. Yes, so um, that sounds amazing. I am definitely going to look out for that. I do want to mention that our programming for the community is completely free. So everything we talked about, the gardening party where people are learning how to put seeds into soil, the culinary programs where people are in the kitchen cooking with us using their cultural recipes. All of that is free for the community. So that's why funding from, from um, the Art of Cultural Food is important. And her gift was intentional. It was to match half of what we needed. 
to wow. provide programming. So that's, that's why amazing. we're doing this fundraising so we can get the other half. So that way we can continue to provide these programs for free. Our community doesn't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. And also, again, it focuses on that sustainability we talked about. So not just doing one event, but having things on the calendar to come back once a month, quarterly or annually, depending on the event that we're doing. Yeah, I love that. And as far as like dietitians go, do you guys need volunteers? Like, are you guys looking for volunteers or how does that work? How, if, you know, more dietitians want to get involved? Definitely. <laughs> we are yeah. looking for volunteers and you do not have to be in Florida or North Carolina. We take virtual volunteers all the time. If you have a, a subject matter that you're an expert in, whether it's your cultural food whether it's allergies, celiac disease, whatever it may be, you can volunteer with us and help us create resources. Because if you search right now, and I've been running into this a lot with our bilingual program, Uh there's really not a lot in Spanish. So if I look for like a sodium handout, I literally make them all myself and translate them because there's really nothing out there. So that just shows you there's a need. Yeah, I like that Ashley mentioned that too about like the translation because it's not even just the translation because you can translate to um, like American Western food. It's Mm. I saw that a lot when I was in corporate where it was like, okay, it's translated, but where are my foods represented on Mm -hmm. here? Mm -hmm. So that's another aspect. Like if you want to volunteer in that capacity where it's not only the language transfer or, um, you know, translation, but also the type of foods that yep. maybe you grew up with that reflect yep. the cultural, you know, significance about it. I think that's extremely important too, because otherwise it's not really going to make an impact if it's just the language. It's, you know, if you want to see Ashley's handouts though, they're, they're like dead on. <laughs> oh, I kind of <laughs> see that. Yeah. But also Ashley gets a lot of, you know, again, going back to talking to people in that community to see what is being eaten, not assuming, not doing a Google search, not, you know what I'm saying? Like it's really engaging with the community leaders and people to say, oh, okay, yeah, I'll pray this food or this dish and puts it in the handout that way too. So um, volunteers, absolutely, absolutely, we could use you. Yeah, great. This is great. I do want to make you. Sorry, I do want to make you laugh Um, for our bilingual program. Every week we do a dish from a different country. That's, you know, a Hispanic country. And I found a gallo pinto recipe and I sent it to my girlfriend and she's like, I'm going to set this thing on fire. She's like, this is terrible. <laughs> oh my like, what are they doing? She's like, my grandma is probably rolling around in her bed. And I'm like, I was like, just help me. Just Wait, just what was wrong me. with the recipe? Now I have to know. What the I, I'll, I'll find it and send it to you. But pretty much, you know, I've heard of her talk about it, but I looked up a recipe. So I always find a recipe like as my skeleton and then I send it to Luckily, one of my girlfriends is typically from, you know, a lot of different places. So I sent it to her and I was like, hey, is this okay? What modifications? Like, can I swap this out? And she looked at it. She's like, oh, definitely not. She's like, this is terrible. She's like, I don't know who wrote this recipe. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll I'll send it to you so you can get a good laugh. But that goes to what Jazz is saying. Like, you can change something from English to Spanish, but if it's not relevant to that culture, you're going to look at it and number one, be offended because you're going to say like, this is not what my country does. Like, and then number two, it's like, it's not relatable because this is not giving me any steps to do things better. Yeah, definitely. Well, count me in on that. I want the recipe book here. (laughs) I actually always get my mom involved. I'm like, Hey, how do you make X, Y, and Z? (laughs) 
And that's what happens. And honestly, I love that because even for our Haitian cohort that we're working on now, it's one of our former interns mm -hmm. and her mom that are doing oh, all the recipes. It. I love it. So I she's like it. in the kitchen with her mom and trying to make small changes. And it's like, that's the intergenerational changes that we need because these recipes are going to be authentic mm -hmm. and are going to reach a larger population in that way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And people are going to feel heard and yes. validated. Yeah. Like, hey, my food is just as good as chicken, brown rice, and broccoli. Actually, wait a It's more flavorful. Flavorful, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, this has been great. Um, well, thank you guys so much for hopping on. Did you guys have any final words about Eat Well Exchange, about your path on being a dietitian? Well, I just want to leave everybody with some motivation and say that whatever your passion is, whatever you feel your purpose is, lean into it. It may not happen today, but start start taking steps. Start talking to people. Talk about your dreams as if they're reality and things will open up for you. And also connect. If you see that you like something we're doing with community nutrition, email us. The worst somebody can do is say no. So just really live out your passion. And if it's not invented yet, create it. Yes. Absolutely. I feel like you spoke directly to me. <laughs> I'm like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. Thanks, Ashley. You're welcome. Absolutely. I can't agree more. It's funny, though, because I was actually working on a post for Eat Well about that thing, like how I went to um, a Black farmer's market and it was raining. It was just a horrible day to start out. Nothing was going as planned, but I showed up anyway. So if anything, I would tell people to just show up. And that's in summary of kind of what Ashley mentioned, like show up and just do it. And you never know who you'll meet, because even though I did not at that day impact hundreds and the masses of what people are often praised for, I was able to serve so many people and connected with three other partnerships just from being nice. out there in the rain. Nice. You know, so just show up. Just be visible, you know, show up wherever you can, and the blessings will come and the impact will be greater later on more than what you can expect. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, you guys are community dietitians and you guys are doing such great work. I'm so excited to see what else you guys have going on. I'm excited to hear about your more about your, your campaign. Um, and we'll talk a little bit offline about um, how I can help maybe with the Central American community um, down in South Florida, since I am from Miami. Um, <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for you guys. Um, for those of you who are watching on YouTube, go ahead and press like and subscribe on our YouTube channel. And for those of you listening to the podcast, go ahead and like and subscribe as well. It's been awesome talking to you guys. Thank you so much for hopping on. And um, we'll keep in touch.